Hey, I am so thrilled to be able to give you kind of a brief report about VBS Max. We had uh, over 780 registered uh, children, 300 volunteers, but the most important thing to know is that 36 children gave their life to Jesus last week. Isn't that great? So we're, we're praising God. Super thankful for that. What a great uh, week, and thank you for all of you who served. Uh, such a blessing. I uh, want to make sure we also kind of echo, we know this is July 4th weekend, and, uh, and look, we just don't get hung up in all the debates, we just, we just be consistent and real, and so we're a balance. We, uh, we think it would be crazy for us not to thank God for our freedom, and so even though, uh, if you get on Twitter, you can see if you follow a bunch of pastors, pastors are having a debate today, should we say anything about being thankful to God that we live in a free country? I think that's a silly debate. I do think that we should praise the name of the Lord that we live in a country where we can worship without fear of oppression, somebody locking the doors and not allowing us to worship. Yeah, so praise God for that. But I, I do understand people's hesitance, and the reason people run to the other extreme is simply because it'd be really easy for us to have, you know, some worship of the country. Uh, and you can, there's a fine line. You got to make sure we want to show our gratefulness to God and for those who serve our country and who have fought for our freedom. We're grateful to God for, for all of that, and we would be irresponsible not to acknowledge it. But uh, we're also not going, going to uh, worship the flag or worship uh, the country. We're going to uh, give our worship and allegiance primarily to the one who deserves it, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, uh, today, uh, I want you to go and take your Bibles, turn in, turn on your Bibles to Exodus chapter 6. A- Exodus chapter 6. We've been in this series uh, now for several weeks as we are uh, calling uh, our, uh, really calling ourselves, in a sense, out of Egypt with the uh, children of Israel. Uh, we're going into the wilderness. Uh, and obviously, that's kind of how it happens a lot of times in our own lives. We're out of bondage and into confusion sometimes as we seek to honor the Lord. And, and honestly, like the children of Israel, get so confused um, and don't know which way's up, which way's down. Uh, the first week, we talked about God not forgetting us, that He is the God who sees and knows. Uh, we talked about uh, God always has a plan. And that plan is in, in a, a process of our understanding it. God's revealed himself to us in his word. But even back in the Old Testament, when the children of Israel being led out of Egypt, 
He had a plan for them. It wasn't a plan they necessarily appreciated all the time or thought that was the best plan, but he had a plan, and it was, it was God's plan. And he always calls people to do various things. Uh, and, and the crazy part is that we actually get to be a part of the plan of God. It's nuts because we don't deserve it. We, don't, uh, we haven't earned a right to be a part of his plan, yet God sees fit in the process of his will to include us. He invites us in to this plan. It's a beautiful thing, the calling of God. But then finally, we talked last week about the promise of God and how the promise of God is sure. In the midst of a world where we're surrounded by uncertainty, we're surrounded by um, in, inconsistency, God's promise is consistent. God's promise is sure. And we can take it to the bank. And that leads us to where we are this Sunday, where we're going to talk in a very, I, I believe, an encouraging message to us today, uh, because we're ever aware of our inadequacies. And I think sometimes we use our inadequacies as an excuse not to say yes to the call of God. We're going to be confronted today by the life of Moses and recognize, look, our inadequacies are not only not an excuse to say yes to God or say no to God, but they're actually lists of things that qualify us as a candidate for the work of God. Because once we acknowledge our inadequacies, it actually positions us to be used by the power of God. And so in a real way, as we look to Exodus chapter 6, Let's keep all this in mind. Let's remind ourselves where we were when we ended up last Sunday. Exodus chapter 6, look at verse 10. It says, So the Lord said to Moses, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of the land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How in the world is Pharaoh going to listen to me? Because I have uncircumcised lips. Basically saying, I, I'm not eloquent. I can't. I'm not a good talker, right? But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. And so this was the challenge of God in, in the close of the message last week. Verses 14 through 25 are a trip. And they're kind of the part of the scriptures that if we're, not, uh, if, if we're honest, we probably usually skip over. It's kind of the genealogies where so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so. But here's the important part about why we're, we should at least acknowledge what 14 through 25 are. Because when we get to verse 26, God is making it very clear why he has given us this background of the family of Aaron, the family of Moses. It says in verse 26, these are the Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, bring out the people of Israel from the land of Egypt by their host. And so what's that saying in verse 26? It's saying, these are the same guys. These are the same guys. Verse 14 through 25 is like giving you all of the ancestors, right? This is where Moses and Aaron came from. It's those same guys. Just in case you think there's another Moses, right? Just in case you think maybe there's a more qualified Aaron, I want to confirm to you, yes, the Moses that can't talk is the one I called to do the talking. Isn't that crazy? So I want to make sure you understand, yeah, that Moses. It's kind of like in our case, we totally get, yeah, that Greenville, right? When people say, Greenville, where's, what's Greenville? Yeah, that Greenville. That's where we, and in the same way, God's kind of saying, yeah, that Moses. Yeah, that Aaron, that, that's who I'm calling. Look at verse 27. 
It was they, it was these same people. It was they who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to, about bringing out the people of Israel from Egypt, this Moses and this Aaron. I mean, it's like really making sure we get the point. On the day when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said to the Lord, behold, I'm of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? And I think if we're going to just criticize Moses, his problem was he thought too much depended on him. Because Moses here is making it clear, how's he going to listen to me? I am that Moses. So yeah, God, I'm with you. I'm the same Moses. That, that, I'm not the guy. He's not going to listen to me. The, the people of Israel aren't even listening to me. How is Moses going to listen to me? I'm just an, I'm sorry, how is Pharaoh going to listen to me? I'm just an ordinary guy. I, me and Aaron were just normal dudes. Why are you calling us to this extraordinary task? And this is going to be repeated about 20 times, but this is important. Listen, God calls the extraordinarily inadequate to do extraordinary things. God calls the extraordinarily inadequate people to do extraordinary things for him. And so it's often the things we think disqualify us that make us most usable. The reason you think God can't use you makes you a prime candidate for the call of God. So be careful when you start telling God why he can't use you. God goes looking for your deficiencies. And the reason so, we'll see this in just a moment, because he wants to shine through those deficiencies and make much of himself. He does not want you to lift up Moses. He doesn't want you to think Moses is a great talker. He wants you to see that God can make even the, the most foolish wise in the face of his enemies. God can, can even take the weak and actually make them strong. Not so that they be lifted up or so that people say, oh, look at Moses. But so that people say, he's the Lord. I mean, he's God. Did, did you see what he did? And so the first thing, we're going to talk about three things in particular we learned from this passage. The first one's really clear. In verse 1, God calls inadequate people. God calls inadequate people. It's not, it's not super qualified people or super intelligent people or perfect people that get called by God. It's actually inadequate people who God uses the most. And let me just say this. We could even add a word. God always calls inadequate people. And the reason I know that is because we are all inadequate it's, I'm tempted every time to talk, when we talk about any subject like this, about inadequacy, to use myself as a prime example because I joke around about being number 114 out of 115, total truth, a second dumbest person in my high school graduating class. All that's true. And, and I think that's hilarious, and that's why I say it a lot. But I, I, do, I do want you to make, make sure you understand that the reason I'm not going to focus on that today as much is because I want you to understand you're inadequate too. You don't deserve God. Look at your neighbor and just say, you're not that special. Go ahead. <laughs> Preacher, I did not come to church to hear that I'm not special. That really hurt my feelings. I just don't like it. I want to I hear how special. Listen, the fact, you know what? The more we think of ourselves, the less God will use you. And it's just true. I mean, at the end of the day, if you've, if you've got to be like super qualified in your mind, if you've got to, it, 
I think we get this idea that somehow God's wringing his hands and he's like, oh, I don't know who's going to do that job. Oh, good, John. Yeah, John's, John's superb. What would I do without John? He's, he's the best. That's not what he did with me. See, God didn't just see this, this misfit and somehow think, oh, Wayne has a lot of giftedness. No, not at all. I, I, I literally think this of all of us, equal opportunity offender. I believe all of us are inadequate. None of us deserve the grace of God. Nobody on the beach, nobody in their home, nobody in this pew. Look, you don't deserve God. And you know what? I don't deserve to even represent God to you. I don't deserve to stand here and open up the revelation of God and preach to you. There's nothing that makes me adequate. Crazy thing. God takes the extraordinarily inadequate and he does extraordinary things with them. So this is the cool thing. This is reassuring. God calls inadequate people. If you're a Christian, he called you in spite of your sin. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. See, if we start thinking somehow that we're the central character of the story and somehow everything depends on us, I've got to work hard, I've got to try harder because God needs me, God needs me. Listen, God does not need you. God doesn't need me. God doesn't need upstate church. God doesn't need First Baptist Simpsonville. If this building's not standing and if every single one of us are gone tomorrow, the mission of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ will still be strong. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. This is, this is of an immeasurable benefit to grab a hold of the fact that God gave you an opportunity to step into his mission. God gave you a right that you did not earn and didn't deserve. My goodness, God calls inadequate people. Thanks be to God. Because he called you and he called me into this mission and this gospel that we didn't deserve. But look, it's nothing new. This has like been the case all throughout scripture. Let me give you a lot of biblical examples. Jacob was a trickster. He actually stole his brother's birthright. God uses inadequate people. David was the youngest and the weakest of his brothers, Jesse's children. In addition to that, David was also, in his adult life, an adulterous murderer. Well, bless his heart, right? This was not like most likely to be used by God. In our eyes, we would have marked him off, man. But this is a man after God's own heart, as crazy as that is for us. Look, Jonah, if you just read the book of Jonah... You could do it this afternoon. He was a missionary who didn't even want unbelievers to turn to God. That's not good, by the way, right? A missionary should want unbelievers to come to God. But Jonah didn't. Jonah literally preached the the truth. And then he went up on a hill and he sat there waiting for the wrath of God to be poured out on Nineveh. He wanted God to zap them, man. He wanted God to just kill them all. He was like, kill them all, God. What a missionary, right? But this is who God used. Simon was a zealot. What's the deal with a zealot? Well, he likely was tempted constantly to put nationalism over the gospel. That's not a new problem. That's not 2022 issues. That is a sin problem. It's always something in us that wants to lift up something above Jesus. And so Simon the zealot would have definitely been tempted to that. Thomas was a doubter. 
He struggled with doubt, and he seemed to always have a glass half empty. Not the guy you would want to be around an awful lot. Peter was an uneducated fisherman who was hasty. He was irresponsible and quick-tempered. But God used him. God calls inadequate people. Paul was an enemy of Jesus, a persecutor of the church, literally a Christian killer. Yet God used him to plant the majority of the early churches around the modern world at the time. John Mark was actually a Christian chicken. He was a chicken who refused to take a leap of faith on the mission field. So these are all um, extraordinarily inadequate people that God chose to use in extraordinary ways. This is beautiful to see that God, man, God, if you ever think God can't use me, you're totally wrong, man. It's the reasons you think God can't use you that actually qualify you the most as a candidate to be used by God. If you would just acknowledge and admit your inadequacies and let God be adequate in you, if you would admit your weakness and allow God to be strong in you, different world, different plan, different mission, because that's what God is doing through Moses. So God seems to have a habit of using nobodies. But this quote from D.L. Moody was pretty strong. Moses spent 40 years thinking he was somebody. 40 years learning that he was nobody. And then 40 years discovering what God can do with nobody. And I think in our own lives, it takes we go on the same twisted tour in our own flesh because we, we begin in our own sin thinking that we're somebody. That's what we want to be the central character. We want to be the main dude. We want to be the person it's all about. And if we're not careful, we twist the gospel, we manipulate the gospel, and we try to make ourselves the central character of everything. We want the church and the gospel and the mission to revolve around us. So, hey, if the mission is inconvenient or uncomfortable, I don't have to say yes if I'm the main character. But if Jesus is the main character and I'm not, then I'm willing to lay down my life and, and literally die for him. See, it's a big difference in who's the main character. But if we, if we make it all about us, if we look through our North American Christian lens and we don't think about what the Bible actually says about who Jesus is, man, it's a completely different Bible. It's a completely different gospel. And we can make it all about us. It's what's wrong with the church today in our country. A person is most useless to God when he fools himself into thinking that God can't do it without him. Let me just be the first one to say God does not need Wayne Bray. God doesn't need me to be your pastor. God is not, God didn't just go, I'm glad said, Wayne said yes, I, we couldn't do it without him, you know? There's no chance. And God doesn't need you. That at the end of the day, we, we are arrogant to think that somehow the mission depends on us. No, the mission depends on God. The kingdom depends on God. We've been given immeasurable gift to be able to be a part of this mission that God's called us to. The challenge that Moses faced, it was not uncommon to us. In fact, we face the same challenge today. When confronting our own bondage, we often foolishly think that we can deliver ourselves. We think somehow, oh yeah, we can get out of this. We've got a better plan. But God basically told Moses, if, if you're not going to say yes, then you're going to actually see what failure is. And hey, by the way, Moses, because Moses is like, hey, God, man, I can't talk. Don't you know? He uses the term uncircumcised lips. He's basically, I'm, I'm not eloquent. I can't talk. I'm not a good talker. That's, <laughs> I'm not a good talker. Why are you calling me to be like a talker? Because I'm not good at it. But I think this is so important. God basically says to him in the next passage you're going to read, look, I don't really need you to do a whole lot of speaking. I want you to say what I say to say. 
Nothing more, nothing less. Just, just say what I say. Just do what I say. And I think we see that God chose to use Moses in the area of his greatest deficiency. And this is the reason why. Because when God used Moses in the area of his greatest deficiency, it, it made it more likely that people were going to see that it was the power of God shining through. And this is the whole point, really, of, of the message God often uses us in our areas of greatest deficiency to prove his power. He he shows himself strong in our weakness. So that when things are accomplished by his power, people don't look and go, Oh, man, that church is so great. Or Wayne's a great pastor. Or... Wayne's a great leader. Moses is a great leader. No, Moses was terrible, man. Moses doubted everything. Moses was a bad speaker. He couldn't do anything. So how did they get delivered? God. God. This is it's, it's so easy once we grab a hold of the fact God doesn't need us. He just, he just really calls us into obedience. And again, it reminds us that our excuses and our weaknesses actually become arguments for our usefulness to God. When we start giving God a list of God, I, I, you know, here's reason one, two, three, and four why I can't be used by you. This is like giving God ammunition against you because God loves to see inadequacies. He loves to see that you're not capable. And once you acknowledge it, you're the perfect candidate for the mission. Look at Exodus chapter seven, look at verse one. And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. Now, that's a little confusing. That sounds odd. Why would God say, hey, Moses, I made you like God to Pharaoh? He's not saying he's lifted Moses up to divinity. That would be silly. But here's what he is saying. He said, just like I, the Lord, have a prophet who speaks on my behalf, I'm going to make you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron, he's going to be like your prophet. He's going to speak on your behalf. He's going to be your mouthpiece. You shall speak all that I command you. In other words, just say what I say, Moses. And your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of the land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. How, how is this? It's so crazy. God saying, hey, I want you to go, go do this and you're going to fail, right? Moses, uh, Pharaoh's not going to listen to you, Moses. But then I'm going to lay my hand on Egypt, and I'm going to bring the host, my people, uh, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. Verse 5 is the major central point. Listen to this. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. What's the whole purpose? What's the whole purpose of this exodus? Why am I calling you, Moses? Is it because we want the Egyptians to know that Moses is a great leader? Absolutely not. Is it important that people elevate you and, and, and consider you the most amazing speaker in the history of No, who cares if they think you're great at it? Here's the fact. The reason I want you to go is because the Egyptians are going to know that I'm God. At the end of the day, the Egyptians are going to know. You know what? Pharaoh is going to know. Pharaoh is going to know that I'm God. And this leads us to the second idea. First, God calls inadequate people. But then secondly, God is always the main character. God is always the main character. And he's not going to share the spotlight with somebody who is trying to, trying to make it all about themselves. 
I mean, how many times people want to blame it on mega churches and blame it on, you know, all of that. Here's what I want to say. Sinful men and sinful women, when left to their own selves, are going to fall every time. And if we start thinking that somehow the reason people are coming to Christ is because of us, then God will absolutely remove us from the equation. God's not going to share. Are y'all all right today? I'm a little worried about you. I, look, the fact God's not going to share his glory with you, man. We would be fools. We'd be fools to think that anybody wants to come because of us or that anybody's going to be a part of this mission because of us. God forbid if we can convince them to come because of us, they will not stay because you and I will let them down. But God is worthy of, his, of our worship. He, he's the main character. And as long as we keep lifting him up, and people want to say, hey, Wayne, how, why, do, why do God keep blessing? Why are people getting saved? I mean, if, if, if we keep just on, on track with where we are this year, I don't know if we say this a whole lot. Do you realize that if we continue to baptize the number of new believers that we, that we baptize the first six months of this year, we will baptize the most we've ever baptized in the history of our church. Now, that's amazing, but here's what I want you to hear. You know why? Because God is doing it. And when people say, what, what's happening? Why, why is God blessed? I, I literally say this all the time. I mean, we're just trying to stay out of God's way. Look, what we need to do in our own individual lives is the same exact thing. Stop trying to be the central character of your story. It's not your story at all. It's God's story. Look, Moses wasn't the central character. God was. And God actually included him in this God-sized story. And he's allowing him to be a, a key character. But, but he's not the one it's all about. God had various purposes in his actions to call the people of Israel out of Egypt. But... Although freedom was part of that, liberating them from bondage, we see in verse 5, verse 5 tells us that the freedom of the Israelites from the bondage of Egypt wasn't the primary goal. Was it part of the goal? Yes. Was it great that God delivered the Israelites from bondage in Egypt? 100%. Fantastic. But you know what the primary goal was? That the Egyptians know that he's the Lord. That the Pharaoh know that he's God. And that when the people of God, the Israelites, actually see him deliver them from the hand of bondage, the goal was that even the people of God would acknowledge who he is and that they're dependent on him and they can't do without him. Now, obviously, the Israelites failed at that utterly. They got to the other side of the Red Sea. We're going to get there in a few weeks. And even right when they crossed the Red Sea, they started complaining. Had to be Baptist. Amen? <laughs> totally true. So, so the Egyptians, the whole point is that, that the people of God and the enemies of God both know he's the Lord. He's the Lord. Look, the, the same is true of our mission. The same is true of our Christian lives. You're not the central character of the story. You're not the main deal. You're not, you're not the primary person. He is. And this is why we mess up. This is so why we mess up when God calls us well, God, I go anywhere you lead me except Africa or fill in the blank, you know. I'll do anything as long as it fits into this little box right here. I'll sacrifice all except this. As long as you, I will worship you and go to church as long as I make this much money. <laughs> as long as my family stays healthy, I'm going to be faithful to you. 
See, anytime we start drawing conditions and drawing lines, and the fact of the matter is we're the main character. We're making everything in our life about us. And I know it's a super unpopular message to preach in 2022, United States. But it's not about you. It's not about me. And look, there's no real gospel message that will be preached that makes you the main character. So if somehow we think that's what the Bible is about, we have missed the boat. We've missed the boat. Well, I just want to do what makes me happy. That's not what the Bible says. Well, I just think, I just think it's my right. You know what the Bible says about your rights? You laid down your rights at the foot of the cross. You don't even own yourself. If you're a Christian, you have been purchased by the blood of Jesus. He owns me. It's his call. Where I go, what I do. It's no longer my deal. See, this is a picture of, of, of the, the realization that God calls inadequate people and we're not the main character of this story. We never have been. Third and final reality is this. God demands obedience. Even when it's hard. Even when it's unpopular. God demands obedience. You see, God challenged Moses and Aaron. And then look at verse 6. What was their response? Pretty simple. Moses and Aaron did so. <laughs> just simple. Elaborates a little bit. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Nothing more, nothing less. Now wait, they pushed back, right? I think this is pretty important. Moses was, was pushy. He, he even last week, we read, that he criticized God. He said, you haven't delivered them at all. And I think this kind of amplifies, it kind of showcases a major characteristic of God. God was super patient with Moses. And we'd be easy to admit that. We'd say, oh yeah, man, I mean, I would have zapped him, man. I would have just totally, I'd have took Moses out, found me somebody else, yeah? Because Moses is ungrateful. Moses didn't even, why? he's constantly saying, I can't, I can't. I'm not going to do this. Don't you know better? You're, you're not really delivering them. I mean, it's like criticizing God, and God was super patient. God was super patient. But let me listen, listen to this. Let me tell you, God is patient with me and you too. There's nobody in this room that God hasn't had to bend over backwards and be patient with. And there are times where my attitude is rotten. Go and look at your neighbor and go and tell him, say, you too, you too. You trying to cause marriage problems, Wayne? I'm not trying to do it intentionally, but I'm, yeah. Yeah, you, you don't have it all together, man. You don't have it all together. God is so patient with you. We're messed up. You know what's, what's totally interesting is to think about the fact that God calls inadequate people. He calls nobodies. He calls messed up people. And you are one of them. I am one of them. We don't deserve to be included in it, but at the same time, he's patient with us. We make mistakes. We don't obey him the way we should. We're reluctant to say yes. We throw millions of excuses up for why it's a bad idea. We talk about conditions of comfort. Our 
our dreams for our life. So we throw up all kind of conditions and at the end of the day, God is just being long suffering. He's just being patient with us. God's patient, but I think we can't ignore Moses' obedience. He wasn't perfect, man. He was, he was a reluctant follower in a big way and a reluctant leader. He didn't want to lead. He didn't think he was a good leader. He didn't want to speak. He wasn't a good talker. But eventually he got the point that, look, God was going to tell him what to say. He was going to give him all the answers. He was not going to take him somewhere and leave him there. And at the end of the day, Moses, the goal is not that people applaud you. The goal is not that people lift you up and say, you're the smartest. You're the best looking. You're the greatest leader. You know what the goal is? That they see who God is. And look, our our mission's not very different. We're surrounded by chaos, surrounded by confusion where the world just wants to hate somebody. And you're often a really good target. So it's easy to take it personal. It's easy to kind of say, well, God, you know, I really want an easier job. I mean, I want to speak truth. I don't want to be ashamed of you, but I really don't want people not to like me. And so I'm going to obey you as long as it keeps my friends. As long as following you doesn't cost me my popularity, I'll follow you. As long as my family doesn't, you know, excommunicate me, I'll follow you. As long as I don't have to be persecuted or shamed or harmed, I'll follow you. I'll do whatever you say as long as condition, 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 condition. The fact of the matter is we're, we're, we're miserably useless to God when we make conditions on our obedience. So today I just closing with two questions. One is this, what is God calling you to do? I mean, it could be as simple as keep the nursery. It could be as extreme as move to China. I have no idea what God is calling you to do. It may be, it may be work in marketplace ministry. It may be lead people at your workplace to Jesus. It may be actually speak truth and love. He may be calling you to put him above your politics. He may be calling you to to step up and speak truth on issues that may be awkward politically, but there's no question they're biblical. See, calling's one of those things we just love to avoid. And our answers are many. We have a lot of excuses why we would rather not. And usually they're centered somewhere around our discomfort or our inadequacy. But remember, God calls the inadequate to do extraordinary things. So I want to challenge you today. What's God calling you to do? And then the second question is, what's your excuse? Maybe you could even say, what's your excuses? Well, here they are. Here's my list. Once you make the list, once you have written them all out, I want you to look back at them in a different way. And instead of looking at them as excuses why you can't do it, look at them as a description of the perfect candidate for the mission of God. Because God uses inadequate people. He takes your excuses 
and he turns them into characteristics of the perfect person for the job. So I hope and pray today that our answer be yes. It's like we say often, put your yes on the table, no matter what his question is. And let's make much of Jesus. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. It's super challenging. I'm grateful, God, that you use inadequate people. And I know that everybody in here feels the same way in this sense. We know we're not perfect. God, we may have varied opinions about ourselves. Maybe we're too impressed with ourselves sometimes. But we all know this. We're not, we're not perfect. We haven't arrived. But you're patient with us. God, thank you that you haven't given up on us. That you're still calling us. I pray that today we would step out in obedience. If not physically, at least figuratively in our hearts. That we would say yes to whatever the question is that comes out of your mouth to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me?